I was speaking in a church in California uh, several years ago, and um, this is when I had a little bit more hair. It was blonder and everything. And so um, I was speaking in California, and this lady came up to me at the end of the service. Now, I had introduced myself, everything where I was from, I, and I actually said I was a uh, uh, from Western North Carolina. I was a hillbilly redneck. And um, so this lady came up to me. And she said, I just love your accent. What part of Australia are you from? <laughs> and I just looked at her and I said, Sydney. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what to say to that. It's like, she, you know, you didn't hear anything I was talking about, I guess. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was a uh, that was a funny moment. But me. it's their current accent, right? So, it's yeah, not, I mean, it's not it's even a, Australia. Yeah, they, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I'm saying. There when she says, I just Is there a Sydney, Texas? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So I just said, uh, I said, well, I said, yeah, I'm from Sydney. And, you know, I yeah. didn't change my accent. I'm anything. sorry, man. That is not Australia. <laughs> so, <laughs> land of the fruits and nuts. Great. But anyway. <laughs> Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jeff Keck. I have a very special guest in the room today. Um, David Sosby is with me. Now, David was actually my very first guest on The Testament podcast back in 2021. He was episode number two. David, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't you introduce yourself again to us? So, again, I am David Sosby. Well, surely something has changed in the past two years, right? (laughs) I am not from Australia. (laughs) Yeah. But, but no, I'm from uh, a little city sets in the Bowl of Mountains in western North Carolina called Asheville. Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, the famous thing about Asheville is Biltmore House. If you Mm. ever have a chance to go and cruise around in the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, um, you can go see the the beautiful small Biltmore house, two hundred twenty five rooms, <laughs> and uh, so this guy had a vision. But uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, and also the the home of the late and great Billy Graham, yeah, as well. So uh, so that's me in a nutshell. How long have you been married? I have been married now for Lord, get it right, get it right, years, get it right, twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> So come on, David. (laughs) So, um, so the reason you're back on the show, um, so you and I have known each other for many years, mm -hmm. um, attended church together for many years. Um, um, the reason you're back on the show though, is because you have experiences in your life. Now our, this podcast is all about sharing testimonies in Christ. So you have a huge testimony in Christ. That's not your personal testimony, which we can go back to episode two and listen to, but it's a testimony of how God kind of brought you out of a lifestyle you were in and into a lifestyle he wanted you to be in. Um, So this is all about the music industry. It's all about back in the eighties. And I'd love to sit down and talk to you about these things. I really do. It's so much. So I wanted you to come back and put it on, you know, let's record it. Yeah. Um, so I know back in the day when you've talked about this all, a lot, you're no stranger to the music industry. So let's let's start from the beginning. Tell me how you got involved in the music industry in your younger days. So I had a friend of mine that um, 
he we lived together we always did a lot of stuff together and he moved off to california and i was 10 years old it was kind of a heartbreak moment because we were kind of like these kind of guys that we did everything together um we got in trouble together <laughs> we got in fights together and uh, so we just did a lot of things that you know mischief child mm. children would do um and that time frame was actually different than what today's time yeah. you know, stuff is but um, when he moved, um, our parents kind of said, hey, you know, uh, what we'll do in the summertime, we'll, we'll bring you out. You can stay for a month and everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, we can, we can do that. So that's what I did. So I would fly out there. I would spend the summer with him. And um, the so everything was completely different from West Coast to East Coast. Mm. And so skating, skateboarding was really big there. And so I started learning how to skateboard and everything. And we would spend time, uh, you know, skateboarding through the day. And then, uh, you know, I, I got a chance to meet all these other guys. And then we would meet these guys and they'd be like, hey, let's go back to my garage. And so we would go back to the garage and we would just kind of hang out and they would be like a little garage rock band and yeah. they'd be sitting there rocking out and stuff. And, you know, one of the guys, he always made a comment saying, man, I'm going to become super famous one day. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're not going to become famous. You suck. But, uh, and lo and behold, I was wrong. He did yeah. become super famous and everything. But, um, you know, from that point, he called me one day and he said, hey, we're getting ready to go out on a U.S. tour. He said, I would love for you to come out with us. And I said, okay. And um, now you have to understand, I said, I wasn't a really good boy back then. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, to give a nutshell, you know, basically I started learning to drink alcohol when I was two years old. Mm -hmm. I smoked my first joint when I was eight years old. And I sold my first bag of weed when I was 10 years old. Yeah. And uh, so I was able to learn quickly how to purchase things and where I was at. And he kind of learned that I had that skill about myself. Yeah. And so he said, hey, I want you to come out. And I was like, for what? He said, I want you to take care of the bands. And I said, like a bodyguard? And he's like, no. Nah. He said, I've seen what you look like. And I was like, because I was a little really skinny rail guy. And so basically what I did is I took care of the needs of the band. Mm -hmm. So whatever they wanted, that's what I went and did. And so... From that relationship, it just took me on to other different bands throughout that. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time traveling with a lot of different 80s groups. Yeah, and without mentioning any band names, you know, yeah. we'll just continue on here. But what when you say um, my job was to get whatever they needed, what are we talking about? So if they wanted uh, weed, alcohol, coke, uh, I never really did anything with heroin or anything like that. Yeah. So when it started really getting hard needles and stuff, I kind of stayed away from that. Mm -hmm. But the rest of that, um, girls, mm -hmm. if they wanted a car when we got to a certain area and they wanted to drive a, a sports car or something, I worked that out for mm -hmm. them. So that's what I did. So how long did you do that? Um, I did that for about eight years. Eight years? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Total. <laughs> yeah. So we're so we're talking multiple bands in. Yes. What was the what was the year? What time frame was this? So we were from eighty five to ninety about ninety three. Oh. So yeah. probably some bands that I like listening to. Yeah. Eighties yeah, yeah. <laughs> rock bands. Yep, sounds yep, good yep, to me. Yep. Um all right. So um now in this time frame, you're obviously you're not a believer at this point. No. Okay. Um now having toured with these bands. What, tell me how this went. So did you go ahead of time, like ahead 
No, no, to these I, places I traveled and, on the and, bus with them. Okay, so you would be yeah. with them. You just hooked them up wherever you were yeah. at. So when we would get to a, uh, a certain city, um, I would get off the bus and, you know, usually they were asleep, passed out or whatever, mm -hmm. and I would get off the bus. Now, one of the things that was different about for me, um, my whole party scene was more of, I had come to the point of drinking. Yeah. Um, basically, when I was 16 years old, I quit doing drugs. I quit. Uh, it was just like one day I just kind of woke up and I was looking at my friends and stuff. And I was like, man, is this what I look like? Hmm. <laughs> and so I just quit doing that. So really, the only thing I did was I would drink. Yeah. Still not a great thing to me, but that's what I did. And so... Um, when I would arrive at a place, uh, I had basically, you know, weren't cell phones back then. Right. Yeah. But I did have my little black book and actually I still have that somewhere uh, <laughs> with names and numbers and stuff. <laughs> but, um, I would just get off the bus. I would go to, um, our room, um, and I would sit there and get on the phone. I would make start making phone calls yeah. and saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And so I had key people that I could call no matter where I was. That went from key people in the United States even to the point of the people that here in the States could help me get stuff when we went to other countries. Mm. So I could even, you know, extend out that far into other countries and everything when we would go. So. So that's pretty much what I did is I would sit there and I would, um, you know, make these phone calls. Um, and then I would do, I would create the after party. You know, we would say, hey, we're going to meet at such and such hotel. Mm. And then we would take off. And, um, you know, by the time we got there, they'd be like three, four hundred people in that hotel. And so that could be multiple bands and their groupies and things that do oh, yeah. that thing. Oh, so yeah. are you, are you, are you basically planning the whole thing? Yeah. Making sure they had everything that they would need. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was eight years. You said till 92. When did you, when, how did that end? So in, in, in that time frame, what happened was in 89, that's when I actually came to know the Lord. And one of the bands that I was on tour with, um, I had just come off tour from that band and it was a situation where I just, I was like, man, there's gotta be more life than this. Mm. So after I came to know Christ, which was April the 22nd of 1989, um, I went back out on the road and then it was like what I was doing, I was like, this is not right. And so I, what I did is I, I would call back and I would ask my pastor, I'd say, you know, and I remember the, the day that I actually accepted Christ, I looked at my pastor and I said, hey, is it wrong to drink? And he said, well, you know, he said, the Bible says, you know, uh, a Bible, uh, a, a, a drunkard is nothing but a mocker and a brawler and, you know, filthy rags before God and stuff. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so in my mind, I started thinking, well, if I don't if I don't drink to get drunk, I'm OK. <laughs> and yeah. so what I found myself doing is I started rationalizing to be able to sin, mm. basically what it was. And, uh, which you're probably going to get some heat from this. And a lot of people will be like, Oh, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> so basically God showed me right. personally yeah. that I needed to quit. So when that happened, it was a situation where I was literally one day I was reading scripture. And one of the things I like to do sometimes is just grab my Bible and just drop it and let it just open up. Because mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just say, God, show me something today. And 
it opened up, and when I started reading Luke one fifteen, it says, "For he will be great in the sight of the Lord; he will not drink wine nor fermented drink." And I read that, and I started reading more to try to figure out what context this was. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, this was um, talking about John the Baptist when he was still in his mother's womb, and that he would be he would abstain from any fermented drink or anything like that. So, as I started reading it. I realized, and I said, you know, I just kind of broke down. I said, God, I said, I have been an embarrassment to you, and I am so sorry about this. And so I landed. We were in California at that time. We um, went to a stadium, had a concert that night. During that time frame, I went and ordered plane tickets. I had a, a guy take me to the airport. I got plane tickets, came, flew back to Asheville. And the guys, you know, when I get home, my answer machine is like lit up with all these, where are you at? We can't find you. Mm. And so I told the manager that I was leaving and that I wasn't coming back. And so I remember I went to my pastor and I said, I need your help. And so I just sat there and I started talking to him and stuff. And I said, you know, And at this time, my hair was still real long. I looked like Cousin It from the Adams family. (laughs) My hair was literally down past my butt. And so I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like talking to him. And I said, uh, I said, I know everything that I've been doing here lately is is 100% outside of the will of God. And I need you to help me understand how can I know what God's will is for me. And so he started mentoring me. And then after about a year of that, um, it's when I surrendered to manage, to be a part of ministry. Didn't know what avenue that was yet. And <clears throat> so I sat under him for about four years of just being mentored and, and just, you know, um, his family loving on me and everything, you know, interjecting scripture into my life and, and praying over me. And just try to, you know, raise me up to better have a better understanding of what scripture is all about, learning how to break it down and everything and 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 look at, you know, what scripture, what it stands for, how to apply it to your life. So when I did that, I remember I um, I was in Atlanta and I was um, at Six Flags in Atlanta and I met this guy. He was working a ride at the uh, the uh, dueling the dueling ninjas in uh, okay. Atlanta. That's what it is. <laughs> it was a ninja ride. Okay. And so we were sitting there, kind of talking and everything. And and you know, I still kind of had my long hair and everything. And he's like, "Hey, you like music?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, we're doing a concert tonight." And I said, "Oh, that's cool." And and uh, he said, I'm in a band. He said, I'm the lead singer and everything. I said, oh, that's cool, man. And he said, yeah. He said, we're, we're playing at, at Sprayberry High School. And I was like, oh, because I started thinking about it. It's like Sprayberry High School. And so I was staying with my aunt and uncle there. We were visiting them. That high school was literally half a mile from their house. Mm. And I was like, man, I'm going to go. This was in Marietta. And so I was like, I said, he's like, yeah, come, man. I'll put you on the on the, on the list if you want to come. And I said, yeah, I'll come. <laughs> so in my mindset, as I'm driving over this, now they had a big football stadium there. So I'm, mm. in my head, I'm thinking, man, I mean, this guy, maybe they're 
the real deal. Yeah. I don't know. So I'm pulling up and the stadiums or lights are off and everything. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and so I look over and I see these like 15 cars in this one section over there. And I'm like, maybe I'm really early or something. So I go driving over there and I, I pull up and everything and I could hear music. And so I'll go in. And so they're in the cafeteria of this school. And there's like, you know, 30, 40 people in there, but they're having a good time and stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to them. And all of a sudden I realize it's it's Christian music. Mm. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool, you know? And so I had never really been turned on to Christian music. Yeah. So I went up, we started talking and everything. And I said, uh, I said, man, y'all got a good sound. Now they were only at that time they were only a two-piece band. Mm. And then later on, they became a five-piece band. But we're sitting there and I'm talking with them and everything. And um I said, I said, so I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what do y'all do to um challenge yourself so that you make sure that you're staying aligned with God? And he's like, you know, well, we, we just play our music. We're trying to write our songs and stuff. And I said, ah, that's cool and everything. I said, but what are you doing? I said, do you do Bible studies together and stuff like that? And they were like, well, no, not really. And I said, well, you need to. And so they were like, hey, would you do one for us? And I said, sure. So I, I did one. And, and they were like, man, that's really cool. Thanks for doing that. And I was like, yeah, you know. And it was kind of funny as I, as I went back to my aunt and uncle's house and everything. And I was like, man, that's kind of weird. God, I've never done anything like that. You know, that was like, you really put me on the spot and, and, you know, but I know I threw it out there and everything. And so it, we kind of stayed in touch. I had their cell phones were coming around now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I called them and we would kind of talk and stuff like that. And we're like, Hey, we're going to be playing at, um, Garden Web University, you know, we'll come down and there's, there's a guy down there. He's got a, a thing he does and, there's like going to be like seven or eight bands there. And so I was like, yeah, I'll come down. So I came down and they were, you know, the lead singer came out to me and he said, Hey, would you do a Bible study? I said, yeah. I said, let's do it at, at such and such time. And I said, okay. So in my mindset, I'm thinking, you know, the five of them are going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, they had released their, their first album and everything. It was doing well. They were catching a buzz. And so, when it was time for for the us all to get together, all of a sudden it went from five guys to like thirty guys, and all mm. these other bands started coming in on oh, this. Wow, yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, okay, yeah, I didn't expect this guy. <laughs> and so I was like, I was a little nervous now because now I had a, a real audience. And so I'm like, okay, so I, you know, I did the Bible study and everything, and you know, all the guys were coming up, hey, thanks for doing that, that's awesome, man. And so. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call and this guy says, hey, I'm with such and such band. I was there when you did the Bible study. Hey, I was wondering, would you come out with us? We're kind of having some trouble in our group. And I said, what do you mean come out with you? And he's like, well, he said, you know, can you like come out for like a, a week or a couple of weeks with us? And I was like, well, man, I got a job. And he's like, well, we'll, we'll pay you, man. <laughs> we can't pay you much, but we'll give you a little bit. I said, okay, okay. All right. And so I went out. And so this was during the summertime, and there was a couple of festivals and stuff. And so, you know, one of the things we kind of set up every day, we're going to do a Bible study. We're going to do it this time. And I just wanted them to have an a, a obedient moment of spending time with God. Mm -hmm. 
And so as we're sitting there and we're talking and everything, and I said, hey, you know, don't forget in an hour we're going to be meeting such and such. And so they were, as every time we would do this, they would bring all these other bands. Mm. And we would sit there and we would gather around and we'd have this time. And it just became where I'm, you know, I started getting more and more of these phone calls. And, you know, I remember uh, one of the bands um, that I went and did some, I actually was interesting. Um, God had laid on my heart. I hadn't really met these guys yet. And I went down and spent time. I got there early enough to spend time with them and everything because I knew um, they were just starting to blow up as well. Now they were kind of uh, on the scene of, uh, they were still secular, but yet they were still Christian too. Mm. And they were trying to do both sides of it and everything. So when I got there, I said, Hey, I said, um, I'd like to do a Bible study with you guys, but I would also like to do um, the Lord's Supper with y'all. And the lead singer, he was like, yeah, that's cool. He said, we've never had anybody ever ask us to do that. And so I said, yeah, let's do that. And um, so the drummer of the group gave him the name Pastor Dave. Mm -hmm. He's it, it was funny. We were standing there. He's like, yo, Pastor Dave. And I was like, drummers. Yeah, man, those guys, they're always out of, you know, out of sync. But, but it was just funny because I was just like, that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Pastor Dave. And then he, he would also call me P. Diddy. And I was like, no, I'm not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can rap a few, little bit, not much. But, but it was just funny because um, I didn't realize the impact I was starting to have on these guys' lives because of the passion I had for the Lord. You know, my thing is, is I always want to see people become successful. But my first thing is, is come become successful in Christ first. Um, you know, I, I tell churches when I go, whether they're big or small or whatnot, the growth of a church shouldn't be by how you're adding bodies to it. It should be by the spiritual growth first. And as it spiritually grows, it should grow because people are going out and they're bringing them in. That's how the growth should work. It shouldn't be because you got um, fun things to do or because of, you know, our music's like a concert in our church. And it should be because people are hungry for the Lord mm -hmm. and there should be a, a desire to grow right. in Him. So, um but yeah, that's that's so that's basically how the whole thing of of going from the secular industry, uh, never knowing that I was going to go into the Christian industry as well, um, came about. So. so you ended up touring with some pretty big Christian bands too. Very. So I, I used to it, travel. And with this probably is what over started it. Yes. Did this band turn out to be one of those Christian bands as they got bigger? They were actually one of the largest ones in the industry. Uh, Probably say their name, right? Um, third day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so third day. third day. But no, yeah, I've, I've traveled with a lot of those guys. And um, so it was, um, it was great to see how they would treat their fans mm. um, and everything. Um, but the thing that's scary on the side of that is there's, in the secular industry, you have these groupies that are always wanting to meet the bands or mm -hmm. wanting to do things with the bands. 
And then, you know, you come to the Christian side of things, you're like, oh, you know, I'm not going to have to worry about any of that stuff. Yeah. yeah so man. tell me, tell me first off, before we get into that, what yeah. is, what is the biggest differences that you saw between the two? Secular um, and Christian, the the biggest differences, you know, doing, you were doing basically the same job for both, right? Almost. I'm still dealing, but one yeah. of them's dealing drugs and this one I'm dealing <laughs> Jesus. Right. So <laughs> you're still getting them, you know, basically doing things for them, getting things they need, but then providing that word of God throughout that. Yeah. I think at some point you said that even, even during these multi-band concerts, you may have ended up on stage preaching to the, to the crowd. Is that yep, right? Yep. Yeah. I've spent time. So I want, to, I want to get into some of that also, yep. but, but the biggest huge differences between the two, um, obviously Christ is, is probably more prevalent there. And so, Very much so, so the way that you deal with things are different between the two, right? The easiest way to say it without trying to get into some wild <laughs> yeah. thing is light and dark. Yeah. The, yeah. It, you know, not realizing when I was in the secular side of things, um, there was times that I felt so depressed mm. and didn't understand it. But it was because of the darkness that was there that I was surrounded by and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really interesting because um, I I have even tried to go out with some of the secular bands that I'm still friends with and everything. At one point in time, I would go out with them. And I was, you know, I was supposed to go out for like a month with them or something. Mm -hmm. And part of it was just to try to be an encouragement to them because they realized how much I had changed. Yeah. And they realized they needed and wanted to change. But because of the darkness is still so prevalent there, um, I found myself going, man, I, I can't do this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because I feel like I was suffocating. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hey, I love you all, but, you know, um, a week's been enough for me. I yeah. got to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would leave because I was just, you know, the, the oppression that takes place is stifling. Mm. And so, yeah. So I can only imagine the night and day difference, but what are the similarities? You were about to get into that. So yeah. tell me some of the similarities, because <clears throat> we've had this conversation before and I'm just enthralled with, with the stories that you tell, but whether you're Christian or secular as a touring band, what are the same things that they deal with? The easiest way to say it, but I'll, I will tell stories behind this is sin. Mm. Similarity, we're sinful humans, period. Yeah. I don't care if you are the most lost person or the most saved person. We still are sinful people mm -hmm. and we are still have temptation that was thrown at us. Um, so with that being said, you know, it was so funny when I was talking about the groupies having to deal with the groupies and stuff like that. Um that part has never changed within the Christian industry as well. Right. Right. Now People are saying, you know, they go and they blow up the artists and stuff. And, oh, you're so awesome, God, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, God is using them. But the thing that is the scariest part of it is, and probably the the best way to say it, it they're, the idol worshiping that mm. comes into this mm. is horrific. And probably the best example I can share with this is I had done a crusade with Billy Graham in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. uh, I had met up with one of the uh, bands that I used to travel with. I'll just say who they were. It was P.O.D. Mm -hmm. And so 
we had set it up for the guys from POD to be able to meet Billy Graham. And I remember we're sitting there with, um, I'm sitting there, they asked me, they said, hey, would you take them up so they can meet Billy and everything? So I said, yeah, I'll be glad to. And so I took them up and even Sonny, the lead singer, he's like really nervous. And he's like, I was like, are you okay? He's like, man, he said, I'm getting ready to meet Billy Graham. <laughs> and um, I mean, he's just like a little kid. He was so excited and everything. And so we, you know, I took pictures with them and Billy and everything. We went back down on the field. This was on Saturday night during the youth night that Billy, when he spoke. And, you know, I had a chance, me and Sonny both were just standing there, just kind of watching, listening to the message and, and just the the thousands and thousands of kids doing first time commitment, going to Christ, you know, going down on the field to accept Christ into their life. And then, you know, I gave uh, Sonny a hug and everything, said bye to them. And uh, we, I, I went up to the tunnel. And so Billy was getting frail during that time. So they would put him in a golf cart and mm-hmm. take him up. So he was going through the tunnel at Qualcomm Stadium up, up to the to go outside. And there was a couple that I had met earlier and, you know, they, they've known Billy for years Mm. and I sat there and, and watching them and also other adults, grown men crying like babies. Mm. And at first I was like, man, are they just so entrenched with the, the holiness? I mean, cause literally I've been around some of the most famous people in the world. I've been around, um, kings. I've been around prime ministers and mm. stuff like that. And nobody's never made me giddy or yeah, nervous. Yeah. And Billy was one of those people where I just like, you know, man, you could feel it. Mm-hmm. Just the, you know, you're like, man. You, and and one of the things that he told me one time, not to get off track, as we were sitting there talking one time, and he, t- I said, I said, Billy, you are probably one of the most holy people I've ever met. And he just he, he reached over and he grabbed my hand. He said, "Son," he said, "I'm probably one of the biggest sinners you're ever going to meet." Mm. And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "Nobody's good, David." He said, "The scriptures tell us." And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, <laughs> you know." Billy, you're a bad man. No. But but no, I was just like, you know, it just the humility yeah. of him and everything. And but I sat there and I watched these people and I realized that it was literally, I mean, they didn't get a chance to touch him. They just watched him drive by. Mm. And they were just like crying and holding each other. And I'm like, this is literally to the point of idol worshiping. Mm. And the same thing with these bands, I would watch. I mean, I've seen people that had traveled. Like, there were people that I would see on on some of the tours that I'd be a part of, and they would travel 13, 14, 15, 20 cities Mm, going to every show. And I'm just like, have you not got a life? Mm. And some of the stuff that, you know, the same temptations in the secular industry – are also given in the Christian industry. Um, Women throwing themselves at bandmates. Um, The guys that were married, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I've seen marriages that have been destroyed because the phone calls weren't enough. Mm. And, you know, and that's why some of the guys I told them, I said, hey, you need to bring your wife out on the tour. Mm. And they were like, okay. And because I'm like, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Mm. So 
you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, and, and there's times my heart was broken because, uh, you know, it, I found myself thinking that they were a certain way and then I would discover something and I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, you need help. And I, I mean, point in case, there was a tour that I went on, band I'd, I knew, I'd met, they asked me to go out with them. And so these two bands that I'd never toured with, they were like, hey, I want you to come out for about a month with us. And so I did. And uh, about four days into it, I, I called plane airport and I said, hey, need to get a ticket going home. I'm walking off the bus. I'm like, where are you going, man? I said, I'm going home. They were like, hey, you've got like over three weeks left. And I said, man, y'all don't need me. Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> I said, I, I, I can't be here in this environment no more. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to be associated with it. And because of just the stuff that was going on that I realized once I was there. And, you know, a lot of these guys, um, unfortunately, they can stand up on stage. They can preach the word of God. They can. And, and the thing is, and what I realized during this time frame, scriptures are very powerful. Mm. And God did say in his word in scriptures, my word will not return void. Mm. <clears throat> so I believe that Satan could preach God's word and people could get saved. Mm. And um, if he used scriptures because God's word, you know, nothing, you can't do nothing with God's word. Right. Um, there's power in it. And so these guys, uh, some of these guys will stand on stage and they'll profess this and that in the name of Jesus. And then when they come off the stage, they live their life like hell. Mm. And so that was one of the reasons. And I'm not saying that all the bands out there are like right. this. Yeah. I'm just saying um, the temptations of stuff is there. Um, I've seen some of these guys go in that have, you know, they're, they're, they're pure and their goal is to try to do everything they can for Christ to be used to use, you know, their songs, to try to encourage people in the Lord. And I've seen it go sideways um, just because what happens is, is they start um, pandering with certain people and then all of a sudden it just unfolds and then the career's over. So, yeah, it's, it's been a hard time. And so for, from that, um, that's one day I was like, what enough, I can't do this. So I still love on people. I still go and preach mm -hmm. and, and teach. Uh, me and my wife both have actually written a book on um, marriage mm -hmm. uh, called Holy Romance. And our thing is, is we want to, try to help people to, you know, it's funny because people have asked us, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to get a copy of your book because I need to fix my marriage. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Our book is not about fixing your marriage. Our book is about you strengthening your relationship with God. When you do that, then God will fix your marriage. But right now we need to work on you strengthening your relationship with him first. So our book is not a fix your marriage. It's about fixing your relationship with him. Mm. And when your relationship is strong and centered with him, then he'll, he'll help everything else to come in focus. Yeah. So, so um, how long did you do that on the Christian circuit? Oh, 20, 24 years. So I, I, I sat down one day and figured out that I had spent um, 
living and traveling on tour buses, I had about 13 and a half years living on a tour bus mm. total. So, yeah. So on some of these, though, you were preaching to the crowd, too. Yep. Um, <clears throat> there were groups. Um, so I would I would give like a 15, 20 minute sermon um, to the groups. Uh, like so wherever we were at, um, we had one that was a traveling um, show, had 11 different bands on it. And so um, we would go from city to city every other day. And so we would travel and it was all outdoor. And so um, it was it was it was a fun time. A lot of good bands during that time. Some were up and coming and became bigger since then. Um, so we would have uh, all the bands perform when the last when it came down to the last two bands right before they would come on. I would come out and I would do a message and then we would have counselors because we organized this with the churches when we would go into each area and we would say, Hey, we want you to come. We want you to, and and so I would pull them together before the whole thing kicked in uh, for that night. And I would say, Hey, when I do the altar call, I've got specific places I'm going to ask people to go to. I want your counselors to be there. And then y'all can gather the information. I said, my main goal is, is we want to try to get people into your churches so that you can disciple them and help them to grow. Mm. So that's um, so that was important during that time frame of those tours. So, yeah, in every, you know, there's times that even I wasn't supposed to speak. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys from the band would come and say, hey, um, we've been talking you know, when we do this song, would you come out and do like a 10 minute message? And I was like, yeah, I'd be glad to. So, so that's what I did. Yeah. So um, now I've had Christian artists on this show and I've had secular artists on this show who are Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of them do some form of touring. I know there's a couple of them that are like nationwide touring all over the place. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of them that are local tours and things like that. What, what would be, <clears throat> having been in this business for so long and seeing the different things that could cause someone to stumble and seeing, you know, Christian artists who want to get the gospel out kind of lose track sometimes. But then you've seen many of them that are right on track. Mm-hmm. So what would be your advice then for either the artists I've had on here or any other Christian artist that might listen to this? What would be your advice as they prepare to spread the gospel, spread the word, through their music to different venues in different places. What's your advice to them to ensure that they are grounded in Christ through all of this? <clears throat> so if they can hire somebody like you to go with them. <laughs> well, no, really. I think that's a great idea. No, honestly. really it is. Yeah. It's um, uh, some of the guys, uh, you know, some of the bands have kind of gone away from, doing that um, because they just feel like, hey, it's an extra expense and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. But the thing is, is if you're truly wanting to try to do that, um, bring somebody out. Maybe it doesn't have to be for the whole tour. Mm-hmm. Just are, are, you know, periodically say, hey, can you come out here for like a, a week or a couple of days or something like that? Or some of the bands that I know of, I've tried to encourage um as they've learned and built and established relationships with pastors from mm-hmm. different cities, mm-hmm. um, call those pastors ahead of time and say, hey, we're going to be coming in. Um, come and spend the day with us and, mm-hmm. you know, talk to us, encourage us, bring us the word. 
you know, bring us a challenge and stuff and everything. So, and, and, and that has started taking place mm. uh, because I've, that's one of the things um, I had a band not to call me, a guy called me too long ago and he just said, Hey, we're dealing with this. And I just told him, I said, you know, cause he asked me, he said, can you come out? And I said, right now I can't. And I said, but let me know what your tour schedule is. And so he did. And so I've, I've got him, I've probably got about 10 pastors that are going to, you know, come and take over for the day for them and everything. Mm-hmm. And these are guys that I trust. Uh, and that's one of the things is um, I would love to say that every pastor out there is grounded in the word of God. And unfortunately, they're not. Right. So you have to be really careful of what you bring in into your, you know, your circle. I guess your inner circle is the best way of saying it. Because um, I know that a lot of people that, you know, knew me uh, when the bands I was traveling with, they would always be calling me. Part of their relationship with me um, was just because they wanted to meet the band. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I had to kind of sometimes say, no, nah, not this time, mm-hmm. but maybe next time. And uh, so, but no, if they can, if they can set up from city to city, wherever they're going, whether it's secular or whatnot, and, you know, there's guys that come in here where in, in Dallas, it's one of the things I love about being in the Metroplex here. Um, there's so many tours that come here and so many of these guys that I used to travel with. And so I'm able to call them up and say, Hey, you know, can we meet up and everything? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to take Kim at times with me mm-hmm. and, you know, she's kind of starry eyed a little bit. Cause she's like, man, I can't believe I'm standing here with these guys. <laughs> and, but you know, it's cool because when they get ready to go out on, on, on stage and everything, I say, Hey, will you pray over us? And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And, you know, um, Kim's had had a chance to be a part of that stuff as well. So that's, that's been a really cool thing. Yeah. So, but yeah. no, um, the only reason a band won't ever do that is because they're wanting to stay a part of something that there shouldn't be. Hmm. Um, because anytime you start bringing a lot of, um, we'll say lit up Christians, mm-hmm. They're going to shine a light on some stuff that you're mm-hmm. you don't shouldn't be a part of. Yeah, in truth, that's what you should want. Right. Um, we should want our brothers and sisters in Christ to help hold us accountable, so that we can, you know, um, if we're not striving to better ourselves, then we're definitely lessing ourselves, and when we do that, we're destroying the lives around us as well. Hmm. Good word. All right. So normally mm-hmm. on these episodes, I'll ask somebody for their favorite scripture. But do you have any kind of scripture that relates to this, either providing advice or strength to, you know, people who are out there? Because I don't know if it's be, if, if there's just not enough time to, to sit down and have daily devotions with themselves, you know, or, or Bible studies. Maybe that's why we get off track. I don't know. Right. Um, but I'm with you, too. In we have to do things in community, right? So as a group together, we do that Bible study and that strengthens that, that band that strengthens that relationship and makes it harder for the enemy to kind of infringe upon that group. So I like that too, but any kind of scriptures that would really just kind of feed into this particular situation. Um, so um, this verse of scripture is one that has always meant a lot to me, especially in the day and time of what we're dealing with right now. 
This comes from 2 Timothy 4. And uh, so what it basically says, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instructions for a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, suit their own desires. They will gather around them the great numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all duties of your ministry. Good word. Good word, David Sosby, man. Thanks for coming back. Hey, thanks for having me. I feel like we could do this for a lot more hours. We could. <laughs> I got all kinds of stories. No kidding. All right. So before we leave, tell us the name of that book again. Which one? Yeah. Well, let's do the Holy Romance. Them. Let's do let's so, do so. Yeah, I have two books. Yep. I have one called What Jesus Did. Um, evangelism. Um for everyone. Yep. So have that one. And then there's also Holy Romance written by David and Kimberly Sosby. Yep. So they're both available on Amazon. Yes, sir. Or well, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Yep. Amazon, so. Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Or stalk David, track him down. And yeah. Or you can go to whatjesusdid.org and send me an email and I can reach there you out go. to you there. Connect with Pastor Dave, especially yeah. if you're a, a band and you want somebody to come minister to. Yeah. I don't know. You're probably not doing that anymore, are you? If call they, me. They, I'll if, come do it. So if they come through Dallas, Texas, yeah. call me. Yeah. We can, yeah. we can get together. The touring days are yeah. over. <laughs> you know what, man? So here's the funny thing about that. So when I finally quit, my last two years, I was traveling 290 to 310 days a year. Wow. So it's not good for family life. Right. So, yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. That's probably a big strain, too, on the on these bands. It is. Yeah. It's, it's very much so. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, um, hearing, you know, they'd be talking and saying, oh, you know, you know, little Billy just did such and such. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I would sit there and as they're telling me, they're excited, but I could also see the pain of, mm. you know, I wasn't there to see it. Yeah. I'm only hearing about it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that stuff's hard. Wow. Thanks, David, for coming. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Folks, if you want to learn more about who Jesus is, visit us at thetestamentpod.com. That's thetestamentpod.com. And click on the gospel message at the top of the page. Also, you can click on the Testament Podcast tab and learn more about our podcast and see what our most recent episodes are that we've launched. In addition, we're always looking for guests who want to brag on God. So please send yourself or someone you know to thetestamentpod.com and drop us a line with your interest or email us at thetestamentpod at gmail.com. We'll send you all the information we need in order to book you for an interview. Remember, do your part. Help us get these testimonies out there. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and then like and share our posts so your friends can see what we're doing too. So thanks everybody for listening. Bye.